Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come with your life and your truth and your grace. Help us to listen with the ears of our heart. Help us to see with the eyes of our heart. Your goodness, your mercy, your life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the last year, I have had the privilege to listen to men and women who are in the credentialing process for pastoral leadership. Usually when a candidate comes in for their interview, they are asked to lead the group, the gathered group, in prayer and give a short devotional. In the course of nine months, twice, twice, I heard a candidate focus on the same scripture passage. When I hear anything twice in a short amount of time, my ears perk up. The story is found in Genesis 13. In Genesis Genesis 13, we are introduced to an Egyptian slave whose name is Hagar, who lives in the household of Abram and Sarai. As you may remember, Abram and Sarai are without child. They have longed to see the face of a little tiny person in their lives who would be a sign of Yahweh's future promise that was given to Abram. Now, the couple are old, really old. Sarai, in her impatience, who wouldn't be impatient at that point, hatches a plan in order to make things happen. Following Sarai's instruction, her slave Hagar becomes pregnant with Abram's child. As one could predict, Sarai struggles with this fact and in turn makes some bad choices and abuses Hagar. Hagar, now a vulnerable pregnant woman, runs away into the desert. There she meets an angel of the Lord, a manifestation of God, who speaks to her and gives her comfort and grace. In response to that mercy-filled encounter, Hagar gives to God a name, an unusual name. You are the one who sees me. But the interchange does not stop there. It is not only that God, that God sees her, but also, she says, I have now seen the one who sees me. In her distress, within within the context of a pretty pretty crazy storyline, God sees Hagar, and Hagar sees God. I particularly like this story because the action of seeing becomes a tangible manifestation of merciful blessing. Hagar knows she is seen by God and in turn sees God. The desire to be seen as being recognized and known is named in the story as intrinsically human 
but also incredibly divine. I wonder who Hagar, Hagar saw God as before that moment in the desert. I wonder how Hagar saw herself after she saw God. Seeing is really important in the spiritual life. I know I don't always see things as I ought. As with the practice of listening, if I am moving too fast, I will not be able to see God, others, and my own heart. In the act of listening, some may think I am listening and understanding what is said, but sometimes that's not true. I can be dutifully nodding the head and looking empathetic, but my mind is somewhere else. When I am the one speaking, the one that's being listened to, I can think that someone has heard me, but when I check to see when they heard what they heard, it's very obvious to me my words were either inadequate, sometimes they're inadequate, I, I'm known to be a little bit brief, brevity is for me a virtue, so a little bit more words sometimes is, is necessary, or the listener was not quite present to what I said. Now, when I'm moving too fast or preoccupied, I don't see well either. I miss what and who are around me. My vision can get myopic and narrow. An example of this is when I'm walking on a beautiful mountain path that is skirting the edge of a cavern or a cliff or drop off or whatever you want to call it. In my fear and need to be careful, to know where my feet are placed, I look down my eyes are cast down, missing the scenery around me. In encounters with others, usually I know when someone doesn't see me. They don't look at me. They're looking somewhere else. They literally pass me by, missing my physical presence. I find this true with my nor normal stare-down routine as a pedestrian, either as a pedestrian or a bicyclist with drivers of cars. As I come to that intersection, I look at the driver. I don't get into the intersection until I look at the driver. Are you, do you see me? Hello? Oh, hello. Then I walk. Then I can take my bicycle across the street. But seeing is much more than the nod of recognition. Seeing has a potential intensity of noticing and naming, of standing apart from, seeing has a potential intensity of noticing and naming, of standing apart from that, that whatever that is, that can protect us or conversely invite us to engage with. Two examples. I can see a person that's well-dressed, nice threads. Now I can continue to see only their outfit, my heart growing with sin of covetousness 
or I can look beyond the external to the person who is actually before me. Looking at what someone is wearing keeps me protected. I mean, I can, I can look at whatever that is, keeps me protected for a really long time from the real intimacy that is offered in the human connection. So if I focus just on the external, I'm not able to see the internal. I can see someone or something. When I, what I see is not necessarily beautiful or possessing an obvious attractional quality. It just is. I can choose to slow, down, slow myself down and draw near to what I see. I can let myself interact with all the thoughts and feelings that are inside of me while simultaneously being open to what or who is before me. I can slow my eyes down to really look. I begin to notice the light, the shade, the shadow, the tilt of the eyebrow, the pallor of the skin, the shape of the hand. My sighted encounter may become more expansive as I am willing to follow the act of seeing from an external focus to our more internal one. In a classic sense, this experience is named a graced eye, a graced eye. Tilden Edwards in his book, Living in the Presence, Disciplines for the Spiritual Heart, explains three different ways of seeing, which, can, which I think can help us name these processes of processes that we go through. The three ways of seeing are innocent, split, and participative. Innocent. Innocent seeing is the physical act of opening our eyes to look. Edwards writes, there is an instant before we separate from what we see in order to interpret with our mind. We are just present in. We are just present in what we see with an open innocence. The scene is simple, lacking pretense or judgment. It is childlike and immediate. Split scene is when the innocent flash fades as our minds step outside the experience of seeing in order to see through the mind's interpretive power. Self-consciousness arises. We see what is separate and different. Most of us in the Western world have been trained to see this way. This capacity to relate analytically to our environment is a marvelous gift, but Edwards cautions the bitter fruit is the tendency to imperially, as his word, define itself as the only valid way of seeing. So we have innocent seeing, that first encounter, just kind of what we see. Then we have the split scene where we begin to kind of objectify and analyze and we go more into our head. The invitation, I think, is to not stop 
at split seeing, but open to participative seeing. So this is what Tilden calls participative seeing. Participative seeing marks the beginning of contemplative awareness. It involves a way of remaining innocently present with our eyes, adding to the pure, innocent way of seeing an intentional quality of energetic awareness. Participative seeing integrates rather than separates, coming present to the presence of God in, with, and under all things. So there's a movement from seeing, whatever that is, to what do I see, to an invitation to who am I, the seeing actually becomes a place of being with. We can move, we, we move and can move in and through the three ways of seeing quickly or get stuck in split seeing. We can just get stuck. For me, serving among the vulnerable at Good Samaritan last year highlighted my own willingness and capacity to see. I could at times not want to see, not want to look, because I knew that it would require something of me. This is this is, you know, this is a this is a particular story of my experience at Good Sam, but I think we probably have all had that experience in a store where we see the person over there and we don't want to encounter them, so we go that way. Like we go, It's that movement, it's that thing that happens inside of us that doesn't want to move towards whatever, whoever we are, whoever, whatever is before us. I didn't want, I didn't want to feel or know. I didn't at first know that I didn't want to feel or know, but that was the truth of it. I didn't want to feel or know. I didn't want to be aware of my own questions. I didn't want to be aware of my own inadequacy. But at other times, I would move closely in. So there was kind of this first choice of I don't even want to see. Two, okay, I'm willing to innocently see, just encounter. But the problem is my innocently seeing would quickly move into a split scene to objectify the pain and the suffering that was present. And it gave myself a, some protection, some self-protection. It took time and repeated encounters for my interior capacity to grow and my anxiety to diminish. So I was open to what Tilden Edwards is calling here as participative seeing. The truth is that I was not always open. But I was, in the end, keenly aware of my own interior movements and my more, more willingness to turn towards rather than away. Is this making any sense? It's an external to an internal 
movement of seeing. It's a capacity. Seeing is a capacity. It's more than physical sight. It's a capacity of the heart. Participative seeing is intimate. It's intimate. It is a place of interchange. And it may, it can, it will change us. I would even say it is a form of prayer. It's a form of prayer. Seeing is a form of prayer. How can I say it is a prayer? Well, for some classical writers on prayer, they describe that intimate experience of unitive prayer as God looks at me and I look at God. God looks at me and I look at God. Sitting with the looking. Sitting with the looking. Sitting in the looking. Until it moves us into seeing who God is and who we are sounds a lot like Hagar's naming of God. Hagar's naming of herself. Richard Rohr, a contemporary author and teacher on the spiritual life, describes contemplation as a long, loving look at the real. A long, loving look at the real. In his book, Falling Upward, A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life, he explains the importance of seeing this way. He writes, Jesus said the lamp of the body is the eye. Spiritual maturity is largely a growth in seeing. Full seeing seems to take most of our lifetime. There is a cumulative and exponential growth in people's perception for those who do their inner work. Seeing, seeing. The capacity to see with our hearts. The capacity to actually look at each other and the world. To move through the place of being able to see, that innocent seeing, you know, the first thing. You know, it could be the news feed, you know, the innocent scene that goes immediately into analytical scene, like, ah, what is happening in our world? <gasps> to a place of, okay, God, where are you in this? Help me see with your eyes. Help me know your presence in this. Or when we see someone, when we encounter someone, so many of our days is, hi, how are you? Okay. <laughs> Where do we go? The stop to notice, to be with.
from, I see you. I'm willing to see you. I'm willing to look at you. I'm willing to bring my presence to you. To a wondering, you know, kind of, okay, now what am I seeing? To a place of communion with. And allowing that place of communion, that participative seeing, to change us. Seeing is one of our values here at Abbey Way. I think we haven't talked a lot about seeing as a spiritual practice. I think it's how we have wanted to be when we sit in a circle and we look at each other. We have opportunity. We've created space to learn. But I think the invitation is today to commit ourselves to the practice of seeing. What does that mean for us? Maybe it means a little bit to slow down a little bit. Maybe it means an opening of our heart. Maybe it means a a willingness to be a little bit uncomfortable when we're downstairs at Hope Avenue. When we're walking down the street. (laughs) To actually see. Opening our sight. Moving from just, okay, I saw it. Into, okay, what do I think about what I see? What am I thinking about who I'm with? What am I feeling inside of myself? To a willingness of open participation with who I am with and what I see. I think that invites us into a deeper awareness of life, fullness of life, fullness of God's presence into a place of powerful communion with our Lord and with others. I hope you see that seeing is more than a value. I value seeing. Actually, they're all more than values. (laughs) I value. It's more than a value. But a way that we are in the world with each other and with God. Let us be a people who are willing to see. Let's pray. Open our eyes, O God that we might see you. Open our eyes, O God, that we might see each other. 
Open our eyes, O oh God, that we might see the world. In Jesus' name, I pray.